The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages zero to eight. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood experts, Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss, and make the most out of every chance to teach play and love. Sibling relationships can be complicated. Camaraderie and closeness sometimes mixed with moments of intense competition and conflict. From understanding the root causes of sibling rivalry to promoting cooperation and empathy, Rachel and Claire will navigate the intricacies of sibling relationships and explore effective strategies to foster harmony among the children in your home. Okay, Claire, we're back again, and we're going to talk about siblings. And I think this is an interesting um, timing for this topic because I just actually went on a vacation with my brother. (laughs) This is good timing because I'm actually hosting my brother at my house right now. Um, my brother and his children. So I've got my sibling there. My kids have their siblings there. And my brother's kids are brought, he brought all of his kids. We've got two sets of four, three, how does the math on that? Three sets of siblings together Wow! in my house yeah. right now. It's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. I took my brother and I um, went to go visit my mom together, which we have started doing. And so with the three of us went on vacation and it was, um, it was fun to do. And it was some of our, some of our youthful dynamics came out. My mom had to say, okay, you two, a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. You do feel like, I mean, I'm a grown person, middle-aged person. And at dinner last night, at one point I was, you know, bantering back and forth. I felt like I was a teenager again with my brother. It doesn't, yeah. it just, yeah. I was right back there again. And not everybody's close with their siblings. We recognize that, of course, but it, there is something really special about my relationship with my brother because he's, he's definitely seen me at my worst and I have not even tried to hide my worst from him, especially right. growing up. And yep. I, I think I've probably seen him there too. And we just have, we have this whole I mean, my siblings have different experiences in families, which can be a different topic for a different day, but we have a, a lot of shared experience and knew each other through obviously formative years and worked out a lot of conflict resolution and all stuff we're going to talk about here. So you, you can have this really, you, it's a relationship you can have with no one else um, with your sibling. And we're talking about this because we're talking about the other side, again, recognizing not everyone enjoys a positive relationship with siblings as an adult. But right now, our listeners are in the thick of it with the yes. little ones that yes. nobody asked for this sibling. Why did you give me this other person <laughs> in my life? Yeah, I mean, so you and I are siblings, and we all have also raised siblings. You and I both have multiple children. Yeah. And my memories of with with my brothers is a lot of love and laughing and playfulness and also a ton of bickering. Yeah. An amazing amount of fighting. Okay. So it's both things. Um and I'm seeing it with my kids too. And I have to keep reminding myself when my kids don't get along sometimes. My kids are when there is rivalry, when there is like they are not being cooperative, they're not being collaborative. It happens frequently. I have to remind myself that this is not, this is exactly how I was with yeah. my siblings. And I know it's, and it, this is, this is, I know, and I also want to acknowledge that not everyone listening out there um, might be raising more than one kid. Maybe you're just raising one child. Maybe you are a sibling, maybe you're not. Um, but we decided to go with this topic today because um, 85 to 90% of families do include multiple children in the United States. So it seems like a good chance that you... <laughs> Are yep. in this scenario. So, what do we know about the importance of having a sibling? 
What is the research telling us? Yeah, I think I just, just commenting on what you said too. I know a lot of people, especially if you stumbled into this and, and you have a, a single child, you might be then all of a sudden worrying, should I have a sibling? Are they missing out because they're not having a sibling? That's not what this conversation about is about. This conversation is just about the life scenario that's very common about having more than one child in a household. Um, and so maybe it's a blended family. Maybe you'll eventually have siblings for your child. Maybe it's a um, biological sibling or probably 20 other variations out there. But research tells us that there are some developmental benefits to having siblings. This is we also know this about children in a group care setting is that they have some natural learning that happens just around being with other humans and having to figure things out. You don't get everything. You aren't, you can't have, you can't save something in the refrigerator for later and guarantee it's going to be there when you have a sibling. <laughs> um, you can't help put a toy to the side and assume you're going to get it when you're, again, if you come back to it when you're with other children. So there's, there's a lot of uh, like learning how to negotiate relationships and working mm -hmm. with other people and picking up on cues and conflict resolution and problem solving. That is most of the fighting and arguing that happens, but it is also a ton of skill development that's going on there. Yeah, I see. Um, I feel like it's a lot of testing things out. Like you've got this natural, we know that kids are little scientists. Right. And I always feel like when I observed my children when they were young and toddlers and preschoolers, they would kind of test stuff out on their sibling. Like, mm. well, how hard can I pull your hair right. before you start crying? <laughs> yeah. And if I throw this block at you five times, will you react the same way? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, it's hard to watch as a parent. Yeah. It's so hard to watch. But that, that, if you think about it, that is pretty educational. I mean, that's some good data collecting right there. <laughs> yeah. Turns out yeah. that they that your that your little toddler brother will cry very right. hard if you right. pull his hair. So yeah, yep. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about very realistic, difficult scenarios. Um, but there's also some beautiful empathy building and understanding. I mean, siblings show compassion towards each other all the time, they will be so mad at each other. And maybe both of them getting um, some feedback from the adult that this is not acceptable, and they need to change something and they might find some empathy for each other or, or offered or come up with the solution and offer to share something. So there's that beauty of figuring out the emotional parts of it too, and building the emotional vocabulary and competencies. And you don't care what your sibling thinks about you. And right. so you are, you are, it's like free reign experiment. You don't have to hold back and siblings don't hold back. You don't have to be careful. You don't have to, um, which we, as parents, we wish they would, we wish they would think, well, how would that make you feel? And they're like, I don't really care don't how care. my sibling yeah. feels. I don't care at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know that that relationship, yeah, it can be really protective too. There's some good studies mm -hmm. on this um, about if, your child has a good relationship with a sibling as a child. It can actually reduce stress for them when they're in stressful situations. And stressful situations could look like um, that your two caregivers are fighting or there's something happening in the household. And, and, we, and that makes logical sense, right? If you've got mm -hmm. that relationship, that sibling in the home who's having a shared experience, it can reduce. So you're learning a lot about relationships. You're learning a lot about empathy. It can also be kind of a protective stress reducing. I can't even get through the sentence, Rachel. I was about to say it could be a stress reducing relationship that had an immediate flash of me beat red in the face screaming at my little brother over some right. kind of horrible infraction, some kind of injustice that he had done to me. He probably breathed on you the wrong way. 
you know what? He probably did. <laughs> and he probably deserved me screaming at him about that yeah. when I was a kid. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why why don't siblings get along sometimes? Because that's what our listeners are probably observing. They're observing their young kids in their home, not always getting along the way that they wish they would. Right, right. Well, and this is an interesting segue too from the protective comment, because that is, it's like you, I could say whatever I want about my brother, but if anyone else said something negative about him, that was not acceptable. And I, I think it gives you an ally too, and someone that you can band together against the parent or the parents or whatever, whatever life is getting at you. Um, but you, you, so you have this level of protectiveness, even when you're arguing with your yes. sibling. Yes. And, and kids will do that. You can see that in young children and older children. So I think one of the reasons, there's so many reasons that children are uh, struggle when they're siblings, but I mean, control is a big part of our lives. Wanting power is a big part of our lives, feeling, understanding who we are and what we're capable of, what we can do. And all of that is developing. There's a lot of brain development that's happening that allows children to be even, they can't really even understand taking perspective until they're kind of four Mm -hmm. or five and they're just beginning to understand that. They don't understand that object permanence when they're really young. They don't understand how to get things. They actually don't have a lot of control on how to get things themselves when they're young. So they're kind of doing a power grab all the time. And then here comes this new person. Yeah. And they're also trying to take my stuff and take your attention, parent or parents. And that is that's just a recipe for having some dissent and some and some discord in your life, even if they have very similar temperaments. And and having different temperaments can be also, while I'm at it, can be a real source of sibling challenge. Like one person might like things real calm and predictable, and the other person likes a lot of chaos, a lot of stuff going on at once, loud music all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, you didn't, as a sibling, you don't, you don't get to say, you know what? I'd really like a roommate for life that I don't really agree with. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And I think and that, that Lane, you touched on this, a huge part of that, of those first five years of life is realizing that you're not the same as the people in your family. So the mm-hmm. first couple of years of life, our kids don't even realize they're different. They have different, they think that their perspective is the only perspective everyone's having. So that's right. a huge milestone. A cognitive right. milestone is, oh, you, I can be sad about something and you might not feel sad about the same right. thing. Right. So a lot of that learning happens from parents and caregivers, but also from siblings, right? That individuation and what you just said, you grow up in the household and you realize that you're a very different person than your sibling. And that's good data to have. It sets you up for being in a work situation someday where you're realizing I'm not having the same opinion as this other person. Mm-hmm. It sets you up for maybe a good marriage or partnership someday where you're like, you know what? I can love you and we can be very different people. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, this is how, this is how life is. So it, it's a lot of good learning and teaching happening in those yeah. relationships. Yeah. And, and um, you know, maybe again, we could talk about this on another episode, but siblings do have different experiences in the same household because of birth order, because of temperament, because of all sorts of things. And, and that as a parent, you want to really think about and get your kids to think about, teach them. Here's a lesson about equity and meeting each mm-hmm. child where they are and meeting each child's needs instead of falling into the trap of trying to make everything equal and fair. Kids will talk about that. They will tell you things aren't fair all the time. They will make sure injustice 
justices are mentioned <laughs> every <laughs> moment and they want to make sure, but they don't really have a concept of what that means, what fair means, what equality means. It is right. back to that kind of power control, feeling heard, feeling like things are equitable. And so when you have children with different needs, different ages, different temperaments, you're just not even going to be able to make everything equal, even if that should be the goal. Um, so it shouldn't. But if kids feel like they've gotten the attention and the space and the control that they need, it can reduce some of that rivalry. The other thing is, and, and parents can do this act very accidentally, is get kids into sort of a competitive space and you want to try to yeah. avoid that. So. Yeah do all you can not to say things like, why can't you be more like your brother or look at your sister over there? Look how mm -hmm. she's handling the situation. Mm -hmm. That will fuel more things to come, even if in the moment it might reduce or help something. Yes. So that is one of the big, so let's, let's move on to those strategies because now I think we've established now what good, good and tricky things can happen with mm -hmm. siblings, but mm -hmm. there's some really good, there are things that we can do as parents to yep. We're never going to, we, we don't, we have no ultimate control over whether these siblings end up having a loving, warm friendship as adults, but we can do some things on the day to day to make the home a little more harmonious, a little more cooperative. So there's a fantastic book I can recommend called Siblings Without Rivalry mm -hmm. by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. This has been around forever. Yep. It's kind of a, a tried and true book that's been kicking around for decades. So they, they actually take the position that parents have a, can play a pretty good role in how kids get along in the home when they're younger. So they've got a, a list of do's and don'ts in that book that we're going to go over really quickly. So I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go over the do's and you go over the don'ts. How does okay. that sound? Okay. Okay. So things that you can do. Um, notice and praise cooperation. When you mm -hmm. see your kids playing well together, even if it's just for a minute or two, make note of that. You don't have to interrupt the good play, but maybe when they start to later on the, in the evening or whenever you can say, I noticed you two had really had a fun time with that chalk yeah. on the driveway today. I loved what you created. What, how did, you know, how did, what do you want to try that again? Another time, just making it, just celebrating that, pointing it and out. Your, what I, I, your example is so important in that you're specifically saying what you noticed versus just a giving it a kind of, uh, generic good job. Why you just the right. good job doesn't really actually help anything because they no. don't know what they are doing right necessarily. And so that public praise that's specific is the magic. There is those little tiny moments. You see a sibling out of the corner of your eye, you see the sibling picking up the spoon that the toddler dropped and putting it back on the tray. Say, wow, I just noticed that you, you helped your little brother with the spoon that he dropped. That was really kind of you. Right. Yep. Yep. They'd make a big deal about it. Um, discipline, situations where we have to, um, of course, is going to, are going to happen. And I mean, discipline in the true sense of to teach your, we, we have a lot, all these other resources and podcasts and things about discipline and challenging behaviors and things. If you have to have a conversation with one of your, one of the kids in your home about a tricky situation, a challenging situation that happened, try to do it in private because that's also how some bad feelings can arise between mm -hmm. siblings. If, if you're doing it publicly in a public part of the house, right. It can create some really complicated feelings for yeah, everyone involved. Shame, embarrassing. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then another thing to do is if you can find some activities or opportunities for play that everyone enjoys that you can do together, because that just does create some good overall feelings in the family. Mm -hmm. So in my house, that looks like board games. My kids are old enough for that now, but my younger one still struggles. So he'll partner up with someone. He'll partner up with me or he'll partner up with my husband. So they'll be on, we'll be on a team together. And then everyone, and we have, even if it's a 10, 15 minute game, mm -hmm. a quick game of Scrabble, a quick thing of ticket to ride, whatever it is, 
that just creates some nice feelings in the family. We're all doing something just for a couple minutes that everyone enjoys. And then everyone can be like, like off magnets in the opposite direction yeah, for the rest yeah. of the evening if they want. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all good ideas. I think the other piece about it is when you're in that moment, when you're in those moments of discord and arguing and madness that it feels like it, thinking about how to teach regulation and conflict resolution in those moments, they are, they are gifts of opportunities to teach, even though they don't feel like that at all. And our brain, our amygdalas are going crazy because also we have to be controlling ourselves as parents when all this stuff is happening. And so we, but we can take that moment, those moments and do all we can to help children build those skills of how to regulate your behaviors and how to think, name your emotions and what can you do about them? And okay, how can we solve this? Um, and so that's, you know, leading into don'ts is don't let it explode or don't, don't let yourself explode. Don't wait till you're going to just, just you're, you've had it, you've been listening to bickering in the background and all of a sudden you just explode. So think about how you can avoid doing that. You don't have to get involved in every single one of those situations. Of course, you want to make sure kids are safe. Um, but you, and you, so you have to pay attention to the level of escalation, but you don't have to solve it all. Mm -hmm. One of the things, especially with young children that sometimes the solution is, can be actually more difficult or lead to other things. So something I hear a lot, I did, I'm sure I know, um, it happens a lot when you're not understanding child development is telling children they have to share or take a yeah. turn. So an example, if you've worked really hard to get something, maybe you're playing like one of the examples I use a lot in an early care and education center is we have like strollers or a grocery cart in the mm -hmm. dramatic play area. And if a child worked really hard to get a turn, they waited and then they have it and they're so excited to play with it and they have this whole imaginary thing going on and they, they think they're in it because that's how young children engage in imaginary play. And yep. then some other child comes over and tries to take it. And all the adult in the room sees is that situation and says, mm -hmm. you two need to share. I mean, That's I wouldn't go for that. If someone no. in, the, I was in the grocery store and someone was like, you know, that cart you've been filling the last hour, you're going to need to yeah. share. Yeah. No, thanks. No, thanks to that. <laughs> yeah. So just really thinking about like, don't, don't when you, when an adult just kind of sees it at the moment of frustration versus mm -hmm. thinking about the whole situation that can sometimes make it worse and and think about where they are cognitively and developmentally can they understand another's perspective if you say say you're sorry do they even understand what that means are they yeah. genuinely sorry have you taught them anything um avoid those kinds of things share take turns um, or, or ever, you know, just giving them a pat way to, to deal with it because that often is causing some of the problem. The other That's thing right. you want to make sure that you're thinking really carefully about not incentivizing or bribing children to get along. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you're going to do it because you're going to great aunt Sylvia's house and you can't touch any of the breakables. And so you're going to just right. do it for this moment because it's a point in time situation and you're, it's going to be more stressful if you can't get through this and there's all sorts of consequences, <laughs> but in yeah. general, you want to avoid something like that because what it does is it take, takes away the, the internal motivation and inclinations to get along, to get through it, to problem solve. And all humans start doing it for the incentive and then they expect it or they won't mm -hmm. do it. That's not because they're vindictive or they're manipulative. It's just how humans work when you get incentives and bribes to do things. So, so avoid doing those. 
Um, and again, I already said this, but really focus on equity. Ask the children what they need in that situation. So if, the, if a child says to you, which they're definitely going to, if you have them, that's not fair. Okay, what would feel fair to you? How can we solve this situation? Ask them to get involved. That's such a powerful learning moment. And you'll learn the solution that they need. They might not need, they probably very likely won't need the thing you think they need. They yeah. will need a, such a much smaller thing, a little mm -hmm. tiny piece of something that's easy to give them. And then let them all say that and then say, okay, so you've heard this person, this child say this, and this child say this, how can we, how can we all get there together? And they often have really good ideas. We do this in our they centers do. all the time. Kids like to be involved in righting the wrongs of the world. That's exactly. And that's exactly the advice that I give to families when they say, like for that minute to minute, moment to moment, what happens when the conflict erupts? You've got the siblings are now, you've entered a, a, the family room. There are two siblings. They are in a locked battle over yeah. a fire truck toy or the one, whatever it is that they both want. And it's, maybe it's a sharing situation. Maybe it's maybe some other kind of injustice that's happened. So there's a couple different ways to, to handle this. If it's a, if it's a low level fight, um, I would ignore it and see if they can work it out. Right. Like just, just, they, they don't, a lot of times they don't need help. They might, they might just get it, get through it on their own. And if we swoop in too soon, you're kind of robbing them of that opportunity to figure it out on their own and negotiate. Um, if that doesn't work, you're moving kind of up a level. Maybe, maybe you are going to step in, but you're not going to solve it for them. You're just right. going to kind of break it up a little bit to reopen communication. So you, that would look like you stepping in the room and saying, oh my goodness, you both are so angry right now. What can you tell me what happened? Uh, Rachel, you go first. Okay. All right, Claire, now it's your turn to say what you think happened. And so you're not solving it. You're just stepping in to reopen lines of communication. Right, right, right. And maybe some empathy, like, well, this sounds really tricky, or this sounds like a really tough situation. I wonder what you could do to work this out. You diffuse a lot by that empathy and giving them some power in being part of the solution rather than having it enforced upon them. That's right. If that doesn't work, because sometimes that doesn't work. Then you hear things getting, maybe if you hear some things getting physical, mm -hmm. maybe there's some crying happening. You can check in and say, well, this happened a lot with my boys. They're both very physical. And my, my girl sometimes too, she would be, also be very physical and say, is this a play fight or a real fight? Mm -hmm. Hold on, hang on. Because if it's a play fight, you both have to agree it's a play fight. If one person right. thinks it's a play fight and the other person thinks it's not, then it's not. Right. That defaults to the person who thinks it's not. Yep. Yep. And that's a good lesson too, right? Let, let, and that happens a lot with tickling or something that one child is enjoying and the other child is not enjoying to have that rule in your household that they both have to agree or three of them or four of them or however many siblings there are, they all have to agree that this is an enjoyable experience right. or to count as an enjoyable experience. Yes. And then if it's, if it's what I call the level four danger fight, yeah. now it's gotten that you've tried it. Maybe you've tried the other things. Maybe you're entering it now and things you can tell things are getting unsafe. So, or maybe someone's thrown something at somebody. Maybe someone's throwing hands. Maybe someone's throwing a block. Maybe someone's mm -hmm. kicking or biting or whatever it is that then you have to step in. Then it's okay. Mm -hmm. This is not being solved. Now we need an adult to step in because it's a safety issue. Mm -hmm. You're going to say what you see. You're going to see, I see that you're throwing blocks or I see that you're hitting, or I see that you're biting. And you're going to set the limit. You're going to say, this isn't safe. And that's okay. What I used to do is I'd say, we had um, two, in one of my house, rooms, we had two, two couches that were next to each other, but they were separate, two separate sitting areas. And I'd say, we need to cool off. You need to go pick a chair or go pick a couch. And I'm going to come check on you. 
and they would stomp off and they would throw themselves dramatically onto whatever <laughs> couch they and, and they were still in the same room often sometimes they had to pick different rooms but if we were at grandma's house or something and so it wasn't a timeout; it was a cooling down we're going to take a break and cool down because this situation is not working and now it's getting unsafe and then basically i'd go back to the previous situation where i'd go back to step two and say oh this is really tricky Let's label some feelings. Are you, you seem really angry. You seem really frustrated. Are you disappointed? Are you feeling sad? Can you tell me what happened? And I do that for both kids. Even if one of the kids was the one doing the hitting, that kid still gets to tell me how they're yep. feeling. They yep. still get a chance. Even if I, even if I'm, even if I, as the parent, I'm feeling kind of miffed at them, they still get a chance to say, I say, how, wow, that, that's, you know, that's a rule in our house. We don't hit each other. Can you tell me what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if they can't, they're too upset. I say, I can provide some ideas. Were you feeling angry? Were you feeling sad? Because let's be honest, that, that kid was probably provoked, right? Like it doesn't almost provoked somehow by some kind of injustice that they felt was happening to them. <laughs> right. 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 So just talking that through. Yeah. And the, the other part of that scenario too, is to that your children are learning through watching you and how you're responding to things. We talk about this in our centers as well as kids are learning from every experience and interaction. So if, if I, let's say pinched you, Claire, if we're siblings, that my, my, the adult's attention should start with you. Often it, but it starts with the person that is, that is doing the pinching or the whatever, the violation of some sort. Right. And that is an attention getter. That is a power getter. That is a control getter. And so we almost, we accidentally reinforce that because that's where we yes. start because that's where the offense is coming from. Right. Yes. They may have been provoked. Yes. Something might be legitimate reason for their anger or their frustration, but giving the attention um, to the to the other person in that That's situation right. first, and then getting the person who did the pinching me in this case to solve the problem. What can you yes. do? How can we make this better so that that all of this gives some space and some calming? Uh-huh. A few deep breaths, mindfulness exercises actually work, soothes the brain, mm-hmm. gets everybody out of that high intensity emotion that sort of hijacks every good, thoughtful, intentional, purposeful thing you can think of in your brain. It calms that all down so they can help problem solve. They might say, I should say sorry. And that's how you want that apology to come. You don't want to come because you told them to do it. Or often they'll say something like, I can get an ice pack. We had a lot of ice packs. We had a lot of holding an ice pack on a sibling, (laughs) helping with an ice pack in my house. That's right. So they can be part of the solution. And they're also having a consequence because they're missing out on not being able to do anything because they have to be part of repairing the situation. That's right. The what can I do to make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of the rote, sorry, because the rote, sorry, we may say, you need to go apologize. That doesn't, what does it mean anything to a four-year-old right. or a five-year-old? It doesn't. Yep. That's kind of. If you have, yeah. if you pose yeah. the question, what do you think we should do now? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you pointed that out. Going to check on the the, the recipient of the, of the, in this case, the pinching or the violence, right? right. Sibling on sibling violence is really important because that that kid needs a lot of help too. That was a really tricky situation. Are you okay? How are you feeling? And then going to the other child and saying, "What can we do to? Are you, are you okay? You seem really upset. What do you think happened?" And then, yes, mm-hmm. what what can we do to make her feel better? Yeah. And you're not gonna and you see they they will have an idea about this if you give you will pause. Have. And wait, they will come up with an idea about how to make the other person feel better. And you're calming yourself down too in this situation. Right. I mean, I've been in I've been in situations with children where I'm negotiating a, the, a challenge that they're having together, and 
oh my gosh, do kids say some funny things in those situations? And you sometimes have to keep your control, but you're able to receive it. You're able to be part of it. When you participate in that calming experience, not the timeout, there's not a lot of learning that happens from a, a, a real traditional timeout, but taking a break, cooling down, doing reading a book, doing something to just decrease that that level of intensity and, and work towards solving it. So, I mean, I think we're both saying there's hope. You can get along with your siblings in the future. I have adult children. They get along. They are very different people and they get along. And I'm sure they talk about me all the time in whatever <laughs> ways they do. <laughs> all the things that I did, they're allies with each other. I know that they work together sometimes to convince me to do something. And I'm sure there was some chatting in the background about that. Uh, you know, we talked about our relationships with our own siblings. We don't know exactly how all sibling relationships are going to turn out. And sometimes they aren't very close relationships, but there are ways to navigate through this and to not just just have it feel like chaos all the time and, and um, have a couple strategies up your sleeve for the times that they do get difficult. I love your levels, thinking of that at levels and where you where you can assist as a parent when children need you and when they don't need you in that situation. Um, so hopefully this just at least makes you feel as a parent, like it's, you're not, it's not the worst in your household or you're messing this all up, but this is just what siblings do. And, and there's some negotiating. It's just real, it's real natural biological behavior that humans are get involved in when they're developing who they are as, as human beings in this world and their brains and their bodies, it's, it's bound to happen. So um, having some strategies up your sleeve is the best you can do and try to find some funny moments throughout it all. As Rachel and Claire shared, learning to get along with siblings can help children build important life skills such as empathy, problem solving, and conflict resolution. While conflict and rivalry are inevitable between siblings, with your guidance, you can help your household find peace and help your children build strong bonds, resolve conflicts, and have a little fun along the way. Get parenting advice from Rachel and Claire. You can leave them a voicemail by calling 617-673-8881, and your question may be answered in a future episode of Teach, Play, Love. You can also send them an email at teach.playlove at brighthorizons.com. For more expert guidance on early childhood development, check out our family resources at brighthorizons.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love. And discover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.